You're listening to Penguin Tracks on 89.5 KOPN Columbia. On the phone with me is Carl Gallops. Today we'll be talking about his new book, Gods of the Final Kingdom. Remind our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, thanks, Jill. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Yes, I am a senior pastor of a church down here, a Baptist church down here on the Gulf Coast. I've been the pastor of this one church for 33 years this year. And prior to that, I spent 10 years in Florida law enforcement, two different sheriff's offices under three different sheriffs, deputy sheriff, and uh, did criminal investigations in one of those. So that's kind of my my whole background. But in the meantime, also, uh, the Lord has blessed me uh, to, uh, you know, to write some books that have become some bestsellers. It's put me all over media, so it's given me an even larger platform through television and radio and preaching and conferences and and so, uh, yeah, this, this latest book of mine that the Lord seems to really be using to bless a lot of folks, at least from the feedback we're getting, is called The Gods of the Final Kingdom. And, um, and so uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it and to be here with you. And speaking of the book, tell us about your book and why you decided to write it. Yeah, thanks. Well, listen, it is, um, uh, it, it's a part of a, of, of a series of books. There are three of them. I guess you could call it a trilogy. Mm-hmm. But they are not meant so that you have to read them in order. You can read any one of the three in any order you wish. In fact, if some of your listeners have never heard of me or my books before, I would encourage them just to go ahead and get this one, the newest one. And then if they like it, then they can back up and read the other two. And by the time you've read all three... It will give you, and this answers your question, I think, a little more directly, it gives uh, the reader a really good understanding, contextual, backed up by scholarly attestation and, and research, uh, a contextual understanding of God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. It answers a lot of the deep questions that are rarely touched upon in today's pulpits and Bible study literature. It answers a lot of the perplexing questions about life and death and, the, and, and prophecy and where we're headed and what really happened in the garden and how it actually connects all the way through to the Scriptures to the very last page of the Bible and and what this means for our life and and our connection to the kingdom through Jesus Christ and it, it just and, and 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 what I try to do, Jill, is um, and I, in writing this one, Gods of the Final Kingdom, I'm pulling together some really really deep and tough questions that people ask about about you know what what did Satan know about Jesus when he was here and and what did he not know and what does he know now and what does he not know now and and it seems the scripture speaks of of Satan being uh, being uh, put to death by God in the end uh, when it says you know the the seed from the womb of the woman will crush your head. Well, I mean that's pretty much put to death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ezekiel twenty eight, he said God says to Satan, I will reduce you to ashes and you will be no more. Uh, and, but people ask the question, but what does that mean? Because when we get to Revelation, it says he's cast into the lake of fire. Well, there will be. You know where he will be tormented day and night. The, the, the you know the the one that led them astray, Satan, uh, the Antichrist, the false prophets, and Jesus talked about hell being established for Satan and his demons. So anyway, I deal with all of that in this book, helping people to understand the contextual truth. And by the way, all of my books are written. I don't pull any of these things out of my back pocket, Jill. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I write with a lot of illustration. I write very similar to the way I'm talking right now, just plain talk, plain writing, so that almost everybody in the pulpit that, that reads or 
can enjoy or enjoys reading will will understand it. I, you know, it's it's not written at a professorial level. It's not meant for professors in seminaries, although they would gain an awful lot from it. But it's just, it's meant for pastors and Bible teachers and people mm-hmm. in the pew. It, just, the the average Christian who wants to get deeper into the truth of God's word and the connections to their life lives. So. That's what this book is about. It goes into amazing things like like the truth of multiple dimensions. Now, that sounds a little freaky to people hearing this for the first time, but, but look, the Bible insists that we understand this, that we believe there is a heaven, there is a hell, uh, there is death, there is life, there is paradise. Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, how did that happen? How can it happen that they can be dying on a cross on this earth but instantaneously, in the next few moments, they will be in paradise? Really? How does that happen? Jesus talks about, you know, the, uh, the rich man in, in hell, uh, fully conscious, and, and, and Lazarus in paradise, fully conscious, and a chasm in between that no one can cross. I mean, on and on we go, right down to the very last, and the judgment, and the lake of fire, and then the sky being rolled up like a scroll, stars falling from the heavens, the new Jerusalem coming down, everything being made new. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, Jill, the reader of the Bible is required to understand, at least by faith, that there are multiple dimensions of physical reality that truly exist. And there are portals between those dimensions. Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and life. You're not coming into the presence of the Father unless you come through me. When he says the way... A modern term would be portal. Uh, He calls himself the door. He calls himself the gate in order to get into the presence, into the dimension of paradise, into the dimension of the heavenly realms. And so that explains a lot about the demonic coming back and forth, about uh, potentially about these UFO manifestations and all these things that the Bible speaks of either directly or at least in veiled sense. Uh, and and yet it's right there in the Word of God. And one of the things that I do, Jill, is I go back to the classical scholars, those scholars that wrote 100 years ago, 200 years mm-hmm. ago, all the way back to the early church, and I show the reader that these people knew. They, we've been knowing for... Uh, scholarship has been knowing this stuff for 18, 1900 years, but somewhere about 100 years ago, especially in American Christianity, Western Christianity largely, these great and deep truths that explain so much, they got scrubbed, Jill. They got ignored. They got sanitized from the Word of God. We had to, you know, for somehow Christian scholarship in the more modern age felt like they had to, uh, quote, protect God's people from the Word of God, you know. <laughs> I'm just like that. So I've just pulled out all the stops, and I said, no, no, no. Let's connect the Word of God contextually, a topic Take these important topics, these handful of important topics, and examine every scripture that has anything to say about them. Then let's go back and look at 1,800 years of scholarship that saw it. Let's see what they said about it. Then let's make the connections right into the headlines of our world. So that's why I wrote it. That's what these three books are about. Gods of the Final Kingdom, it just kind of uh, really brings us right down to the to the ultimate understanding of why we're here, where we're going, what it's all about. There is a kingdom to come, and it's not Satan's, even though he thinks it is. And uh, so I try to show that. And 
in a very understandable manner. I, I, I listen. I give vivid illustrations mm-hmm. from life, from my own life. I, I also give vivid um, metaphors of how these things can be. I go right into the scientific journals to show that, you know, what the Bible has been saying for thousands of years, we're just now discovering scientifically. And again, I make uh, uh, heavy use of classical scholars, but also also modern scholars and word studies. So anyway, that's that's the what all three are about, and that's that's a, a good overview of what God's of the Final Kingdom is about as well. What are some of the things that Satan doesn't know that God and Jesus do? Yeah, well, listen, thank you. A, a bulk of my book is about this, so I will just give a brief overview and a couple of examples that will hopefully whet the appetite of your listeners. Um, first of all, let's just go to the fact of the incarnation itself. So here is God in the flesh, if you would. You know, the Word has become flesh and dwelt among us. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So God in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, God with us, Emmanuel. All right. So, but when we see John pointing to Jesus, finally, this is the first public declaration of who this one is. He points to him at the River Jordan and says, Behold, there is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That had to strike fear and panic in Satan's heart because Mm -hmm. he remembered the garden curse. From the womb of a woman will come a seed that will crush your head. John points to this one on the Jordan River and said, There he is. That's him. Now the question is, what did Satan really, really, really know about the whole Christ event? Did he really know this was the, quote, Son of God? Well, yes, he knew that. The Scripture says even the demons were saying, we know you are the Son of God. But, and the scholars agree with what I'm getting ready to say, yet you hardly ever hear this, but he didn't know exactly what that term Son of God meant in Jesus Christ. He didn't quite, he couldn't quite figure out, was this really God? who has disguised himself in flesh and come into my kingdom, my fallen world? Mm -hmm. Or is this one that has come from heaven, one of the sons of God, the B'nai Elohim, it says in the Hebrew? Was it one of those, a very special supernatural creature that he would have to do battle with? But was this really God? He didn't know. He he didn't know. And the scriptures tell us, I'm going to prove it, I'm going to quote a scripture in a moment that will absolutely prove. And so, So then Jesus goes into what we call the wilderness temptation. Well, it says he's led by the Holy Spirit. See, see, Satan didn't drag Jesus there. Hmm. Jesus went there of his own accord through the leading and power of the Holy Spirit within him. And Satan thought he was the great hunter of humanity, you know, the destroyer, the lion that prowls around like like a roaring lion seeking whom and what he can devour. Well, he came to that wilderness temptation to try to gain an assessment of who this one was. And so we hear him say three times, if you really are the Son of God, then do this, do that. Let me see your power. Let me see. Let me see. If you really came from the throne of God, show me something. Turn these rocks into bread. You know, uh, Come up here. Let me show you the kingdoms of the world. I, you, you must be wanting to rule something. You can rule with me. Hey, I, I own all of this. So let's just let's just settle it. Throw yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple and 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 let's see let's see who you are. You know if you are if you are. And Jill, so when we continue to go through the scriptures after he leaves the wilderness, of course Jesus of course crushes Satan and that whole 
that whole escapade there and basically just quotes Scripture to him and, mm-hmm. and, and refuses to have a conversation with Satan, really. He just quotes Scripture. Mm-hmm. But basically then, for the next three years, what do we hear from Satan's earthly emissaries, the religious elite, uh, continually, continually hounding him? And what do they say? If you are the Son of God, show us a sign. If you are the Son of God, open up heaven and show us something. That's when Jesus said, well, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, on and on we hear those same words right up to the cross, Jill, right up to the cross, where the people are now playing Satan's part by saying, if you are the Son of God, bring yourself down, deliver yourself. He saved others. Let him save himself, even one of the thieves on the cross. If you are the Son of God, then save us. I mean, it goes all the way back to the wilderness temptation. But watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. If the rulers of this age had only known, they would not have crucified the Son of God. Mm-hmm. That is a huge revelation. Because the rulers of this age in context is exactly what Paul was talking about in Ephesians 6 when he said, look, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers in the heavenly realms, against principalities and princes in the darkness in the unseen realms. So the rulers of this age not only refer to the kings like the Roman Roman emperor, the Roman governor, the rulers, but also the powers behind the thrones, which I wrote about in my first book, Gods of and Thrones. See, there's three books in this series, Gods and Thrones, Gods of, of Ground Zero, and this one, Gods of the Final Kingdom. But in this one, so so what we discover is, even though Satan knew a lot, and he is supernatural. He's not God. He doesn't know the exact plans from God's throne. That's mm-hmm. why Revelation calls Jesus the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, before Satan was even created, probably. I mean, God had all this figured out, mm-hmm. and it was held close to the throne. But Satan did not know that the cross was God's way. It was Jesus' plan. This was his mission. It would be Satan's death nail. And the reason we know Satan didn't know it is because Satan entered into Judas to betray Jesus, to deliver him to the cross. Satan thought he was somehow destroying this, quote, son of God and getting him out of his realm, out of his kingdom, before he became a big threat. He thought he was killing Jesus. That's why 1 Corinthians said, in chapter 2, said, if the rulers of this age had only known, they would not have crucified the Son of God. Well, they did crucify the Son of God, and that includes Satan and the demonic realm, which means they did not know. So there it is right there in the Scriptures. But rarely do we make all those connections. And again, I go so much deeper than all this. It's just This is a little taste of some of the stuff this book is about. You had mentioned multiple dimensions. Uh, yeah. But what does the Bible say about time travel, portals, and modern science? What are some examples? Yeah, thank you. And again, I spend several chapters talking about this, proving it from modern science, but most importantly, just proving it from the Word of God. I don't need science to tell me whether God's Word is true or not, but, (laughs) but it's awfully fascinating when science finally catches up to the truth of God's Word. That's what the whole study of quantum mechanics has now revealed. That's what the Hadron Collider in, in, in Switzerland is about. That's a, China's building a new Hadron Collider. It's going to be even bigger. Uh, and all of that's in the book and documented. And, and so we look at the largest machine humanity has ever invented is, is the CERN Hadron Collider in Switzerland. 
and and its whole purpose is to delve deeper and deeper into this now brand, uh, relatively brand new scientific understanding of the smallest particles of the smallest uh, uh, element, the atom that we now know contains all manner of forces and 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 really um, determines every event on on the planet that at the molecular and atomic level and now we understand from from our deep deep study of quantum mechanics that there literally are multiple dimensions of reality and for your audience that has delved into quantum mechanics at all i mean even at the novice level on the inter- internet looking at you know quantum uh, uh, quantum mechanics for dummies, you know, that's, that's the title of some of these sites. I mean, they will know that what I'm speaking is truth here. In fact, there are even some deep, deep scientific theories now that hold a lot of scientific foundation that, that have, they've basically have determined they haven't been able to ac- absolutely prove it, but from everything else they have uh, observed at the quantum level, they have determined that there really are multiple universes, uh, and and that that fits with the word of God too. Because you see, the Bible says that the universe is not where God lives. God created the universe through Jesus Christ. He's outside of that. He's outside of time. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. He he's outside of time. He's outside of the universe. Um, and 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 then when we see the you know the the lake of fire, it appears to be another universe, a separation, a chasm, like like Abraham told the rich man. There's a chasm between these universes, between these dimensions. So the Bible speaks of all of this. The scholars speak of it. Science has already confirmed that these things exist. They just don't know how to traverse them, and I don't think God's ever going to allow them. But 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 I quote some of these scientists that are the head uh, the 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 head administrators of CERN for example and they actually say look we know there are multiple dimensions of physical reality we're just fr- trying to find the portals the doors we're trying to find how to go in and out of them and we want to see what comes out and what we can put in them they're basically wanting to time travel they're basically wanting to do interdimensional travel and i'm telling you f- from the fallen hearts of this evil world jill that is nothing but demonic evil. I mean, I mean, they're looking for military application. They're looking for ruling the world applications. Uh, and, and so we're living in very prophetic times. And so I show that the Bible speaks. Listen, almost every prophet that spoke of the coming Messiah, somehow they were a time traveler, whether whether God took them there in a vision or in the body, as Paul and John would both say, or Isaiah in some kind of a, a vision, he, he saw he saw the one that stood before uh, its, its, his accusers like a sheep ready for slaughter. He saw the one that was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. He saw the one to, that, that looked normal among all people. There was nothing beautiful about him that we would be attracted to him. He saw all of that. He saw beyond that to where this one that was finally pierced and crushed and bruised and killed was then buried with rich, a rich man. Of course, that would be Joseph of Arimathea. Yet he was, he was killed among criminals. That would be the two thieves. How did he know this? Well, you say, well, God revealed it to him. Well, of course God revealed it to him. How? Well, by the Holy Spirit. Well, of course by the Holy Spirit, but how? An unction? Did he just start writing? And, or did he see it? Or was he carried there? 
I mean, we read of Ezekiel being carried into the future. Daniel was carried before the throne of God and saw the one looking like a son of man coming before the throne, receiving all power and glory to rule the nations. He even saw the Antichrist that was coming, this one with the little horn that was the accuser that was coming. I mean, how did these guys know this? Paul said in the New Testament, Paul said, look, I know a man, and of course he's talking about himself. They always write in the third person. But he said, I know a man that was caught up to paradise. Well, caught up to the same place Jesus told the thief that he would be. He said, and I don't know if he was in the body or out of the body. In other words, Paul was saying, look, I was there. I don't know. I look down. I see myself, and I know I'm in a different dimension. I'm in a different place. Yet I know flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. So was I given a glorified body just to exist in that position, like a, like a scuba diver that puts on a scuba diving outfit so he can live under the water, but yet that's not really his body? His body's inside of that condition. I mean, that's what Paul was saying. He said, I don't know. He said, all I know is I was there, and I saw things that, that, that most humans are never, I mean, would never be permitted to speak. John says, on the island of Patmos, I mean, he's busting rocks at a prison, Roman prison camp. He said, but I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a voice say, come up here. And a, and a portal opened, a door opened. The next thing you know, he's in another dimension. He's before the throne of God where he's given the revelation. I mean, I could go on and on with this, Jill. These are the kind of things I reveal in the book I make sense of from science, from the scholars, from the people that saw and wrote about these things hundreds of years ago. Yet you seldom hear anybody preach or teach this. It's not in our Sunday school literature. Very seldom is spoken of from the pulpits. Yet when you read this whole book from beginning to end, you put it in context, most people are walking away saying, wow, now I get it. Now I see what's really happening, what life is really about, and my place in it. Where can people get your books? Thank you. Uh, A quick place to start is just carlgallops.com because from there you'll you'll see you can get them directly from me you can get them anywhere good books are sold and i mean they're in secular bookstores i had somebody take a a photograph the other day books a million and and my book was featured on a rack right there gods of the final kingdom so apparently that secular bookstore (laughs) likes it or it's (laughs) selling well there but you can get them in secular bookstores you get on amazon you can barnes and nobles books a million mom and pop shops christian bookstores and if they don't have it in stock, they can certainly order it. But like I said, even book a mi- books a million brick-and-mortar stores have them. So you can get it most anywhere. Is there anything else you'd like to add or say to the readers? Yeah, listen, I'm a pastor. And the reason I write these things is I'm just trying. I've been doing this a long time, preaching, teaching this stuff, writing this stuff. It's being peer-reviewed in front of the world on international television shows and radio shows. So, you know, I'm always kind of tweaking and studying and going deeper and deeper, but I'm just trying to return the church to a classical understanding of the Word of God. We've gotten off into the fluffy, shiny stuff, into the modernistic stuff to make everybody feel good all the time. And in the meantime, we're living in the most prophetic days since the first coming of Jesus Christ. And so I want your listeners to understand that I hope they'll read these books, but the book to read is the Word of God. These books, I hope, will just help you understand the Word of God as it was meant to be understood. And I just want to encourage your listeners, look, we're living in prophetic times, but just press on. You know, mow the grass, pay the bill, save for the future. I don't set dates. I'm not an alarmist. I just know that something's getting ready to snap sometime soon, 
And we need to be prepared. We need to be moving the kingdom of Jesus Christ forward, the salt and the light, right? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Jill. Thank you so much for that interview. It was an honor, and you have a great rest of the week. You as well, Jill. God bless you. Bless you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.